Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here. And today we're going to talk with a former agency owner that grew to one of the biggest agencies digital marketing agencies, independent ones in the country and sold it and now is helping other service-based businesses grow. John Morris from the Ramsey Innovation. Thank you for being on. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And uh, before we get started, of course, this is brought to you by storycruise.com. Look, if you're looking to grow your business or your law firm or agency, one of the best ways is through video. And the most important video are your client stories. Uh, We've got 30 ways to grow your business through traffic sales and marketing using video case stories, just go to storycruise.com, grow, and you will get that lead, uh, all that information. So um, before we get into this, you're going to talk to us about the two questions to really every business needs to answer to stand out in this crowded marketplace, whether you're a law firm, a doctor, lawyer, or digital agency. But before we get into that, I want to hear your story of how you start with $10,000 and grew an agency. Yep. So, um, I went to University of Chicago for business school. They have an annual business plan competition called the New Venture Challenge. Uh, in 2004, I took second place, uh, won $10,000. You're going to ask me, by the way, 17 years later, I'm still very, very bitter it wasn't first. Um, <laughs> That's and, awesome. You know, my goal was to create a large company. And I also wanted to create a great company. And I, I didn't have an exit strategy in mind. You know, my original exit strategy was I was going to die one day. And I, I used to run marathons. And so my whole philosophy of growing this business was really incremental. When you run a marathon, it's 18 weeks of training. Your first long run is six miles. Your last run is 26.2. And you kind of go two up, one down as you do your training. And, and I, I had that same approach to my business. Rather than weeks, it was going to be years. And rather than miles, it was going to be dollars. But the idea is that every year, right around you know June, July, I would make investments to have a phenomenal growth year the next year. And I just rinsed and repeated. And you know, I, I went from twelve thousand to eighty thousand to three hundred and fifty to seven hundred fifty to eventually one million, two million, four million, eight million, twelve million, and the numbers just kept on going up and up and up based on that approach to running the business. That that sounds great. <laughs> and you know where do, tell me about even how you decide your niche how did you even decide how you're going to grow the business uh yeah so my original approach was i wanted to own chicago when you are when you are a small company with a small budget you have to make decisions in terms of how you narrow your target audience my target audience was originally a generalist meaning i would take clients from any industry but my time and my energy was in Chicago. If you were going to think about digital marketing and you were in Chicago, I wanted Rise to be on the list. Eventually, we got more specific into verticals that we would go after. 
uh, and we focus more on a national basis. But that, that was the initial approach. The other thing that we did at a very early stage is we built all sorts of partners with web development companies, PR firms, larger competitors that would refer business to us. And it was one of the ways that we were able to get our phone to ring without having a lot of marketing dollars behind us. Hmm. I look at agencies around the world and the fastest growing ones always have that partner strategy on top of the other things you were gonna talk about. Was the partner strategy something you did earlier on and how did you develop that? It was, you know, look, when when you start with $10,000, you know, that's basically a website. You know, you're, mm -hmm. you're, you're done with your money very quickly. So you have to think about how are you going to get the phone to ring? And, you know, I, I was doing a ton of networking events. I was calling on clients directly, uh, but where I found I got the most success, and, and this is going back to 2004, where you know today a lot of web development companies also offer digital marketing services, but at that time, they were very separate. So you had digital marketing agencies and you had web development agencies. And when I would call on a web development company, I would oftentimes, when I got someone to answer the phone, I found that there was an immediate need. They had a client that had a search engine optimization campaign that they wanted to get going right away. Uh, and so I would offer commission to them. And that was a big part of the structure uh, of how we grew the business. Now, eventually we evolved into more of a direct business. One of the challenges of partnership marketing is you don't get to pick who calls you. You know, you have to work with multiple clients in multiple different industries. Sometimes they're good clients, sometimes they're bad clients. Yeah, and, and really, I mean, that's part of growing is deciding then who you really fits you culturally and core value-wise, right? Exactly. So, um, you know, at what state, you know, as you start doing this, at what stage did you decide, hey, I need to spend more money on sales and marketing? And how did you decide what, where that was going to go? Day one. Okay. Every business has a strategic plan, whether they know it or not. It is what they choose to spend their time and money on. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you cannot wish growth to happen. You have to make growth happen. And the way you do that is you need to invest as much money into sales and marketing as you possibly could. Uh, I'll give you an example. I think it's funny because, you know, in 2004, people actually used to fax and, you know, for $10 a month, you could do e-fax. My parents lived a mile away and I was like, you know what, if I can make 10 decisions not to spend $10 a month, I can have $1,000 or $1,200 that I could spend into sales and marketing. And so I literally looked at every single line item and really determined, do I absolutely need this or could I put it into sales and marketing? And even today, when I take someone through a budgeting exercise, when we're completely finished, the last step is we go through every single line item and I ask them one simple question. Is this expense more important than putting into sales and marketing? Mm. And what you find is at the very end, you're going to come up with a big chunk of cash that you can move into sales and marketing to fuel your growth. I love it. And it's and that's across any business, right? Yeah. I mean, it could be a digital agency, which like you said, you know, I, I, digital agencies, right, are not the best at marketing <laughs> for themselves. I, I was telling you earlier, you know, I, I used to always laugh that, you know, at Rise, I thought it was really funny that we were the only marketing agency that actually believed in marketing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's not rocket science. If you want to grow and you don't spend any money for people to know who you are, you're probably not going to grow. Yep. You know? And so that doesn't mean that you're spending your sales and marketing intelligently, but you are better off spending it unintelligently and getting smarter at it than not spending it at all. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a learning curve, right? 
and, and you're spending some money to learn what not to do. Like, I think it was Ford that said it, yeah. you know, <laughs> half my, half my money works. I yeah. just don't know which half. Exactly. And you could get more and more sophisticated over time. And even with my entire data-driven approach to running a business, you know, when I look at where my customers come from, just in my, my brand new company, uh, it is all over the board. Attribution is a very difficult thing, but I can just start with overall, this is how many customers I wanted to acquire. This is how many I did acquire. Am I ahead of the game or am I behind the game? You know, that's a starting point. Yeah. And I think that's, I think a lot of people too get stuck in that attribution trap that nowadays we can attribute so much, but if we can't attribute it, should we even be spending the money? Yeah, there's there's another great saying that uh, not everything measured should be, and every and that many, th or I butchered the line, but it's basically everything that's measured shouldn't necessarily always be measured, and some things that aren't measured should be the most important things to focus on. So you have to balance the two. And being a, I mean, you were a data-driven agency. We were talking about that beforehand. It was, you really, you know, you were data-driven, and we're talking about using that yeah. as a differentiator. But how did you balance that as a data-driven agency? So when you think about data, when you think about analytics, it's all about answering questions, okay? There is never going to be a foolproof analysis that's going to make it 100% easy for you to make a decision. The information is gray, and you're going to have to make a black or white decision, and you're going to get a black or white outcome, okay? What data and analytics do is they reduce risk. They make it so that the leap of faith that you take is a little bit less risky. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the best way to think about it is, you know, we, we arm ourselves with data to make better decisions, but at the end of the day, you're still taking a risk of every decision that you make. It's never going to be perfect. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, even with all the data, you got to trust your gut, right? Yep. Yeah. That's, and that's phenomenal. And so what do you say? to the people out there, you know, especially because I know a lot of marketing agencies, they, their leads are coming through referrals. You know, they get referrals, they're leading on referral sources, partners, et cetera. And they're like, oh, it's good. I tried marketing other ways. It doesn't work. What do you say to those people that are just going through channel partners? So the first thing I would actually ask them is, do you want to be a CEO of a large company or do you want to own a boutique agency and where you're really involved in the marketing components? If you want to be a CEO of a large company, then the goal is to continually invest to figure out how to make marketing work. If you are not philosophically thinking about how do I get as much money as possible into sales and marketing, you're most likely going to struggle. You're going to hit a ceiling. There's going to be a limit to your growth. And so it's not a matter of, well, I tried it. It didn't work. Well, someone else is trying it and it is working. So it means that you, you didn't try it properly. You know, like you, you got to evolve and you got to understand, well, what didn't work? You know, I'll, I'll give an example. You know, we're running a bunch of paid search advertising. I've identified a ton of words that I thought were going to be home run words that didn't work. Guess what? I'm not spending money on them anymore. But I found yep. a bunch of words that are working and I'm trying to scale those. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because like talking about that, we, we had... Daniel Harmon from the Harmon Brothers on, and we were talking about, you know, creating Super Bowl commercial. And he's like, man, I would never do that without the data because yeah. it's, it's scary. But you, you know, but you, once you spend the money on the data, it gives you a little bit more of a comfort zone, as you mentioned, and it's, it's testing it and growing it. So you, you grew, rise up. At what point did you, what were you say were the keys to making it 
a business that you could sell and sell for the most um, money possible? Well, I think the first thing you have to understand is how do agencies or professional services get sold? Uh, it is a formula of EBITDA. And so it's based on your profits, generally a multiple between five and 15 times your 12 months trailing EBITDA. And when you get to certain milestones, so as you hit certain revenue numbers and as you hit certain EBITDA numbers, uh, as well as growth rate, as well as how unique your service offering is, really helps determine if you're going to be closer to the five or you're going to be closer to the 15. And, and the other thing that happens as you start growing your agency or any business for that matter, is that your uh, net worth gets highly skewed to that one individual asset. Uh, and so at some point you start focusing more on risk diversification than anything else. Interesting. And, and, and so, you know, as you're looking at that EBITDA and you're looking at that, you know, how did you go about doing that? Um, you know, how'd you figure out that strategy? You know, look, initially I, I cared very little about EBITDA. I was much more top line focused. When you think about an agency, uh, there's two magic numbers in terms of the performance of an agency. Uh, the first is businesses from the outside looking in are typically looking for 20% EBITDA relative to revenues. So if you have a million dollars in revenue, they want you to have about $200,000 in profit. My target was substantially less. It was generally between zero and 5% of that million dollars. And the reason why is because that was me putting on a private equity hat of saying, you know what, I'm going to invest back into the business. And that's where a lot of my sales and marketing budget came from. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it as if I had positive net value return investments to make on sales, marketing, or innovation, rather than putting that money in my pocket, I was going to invest back in the business. Yep. So in the early years, I was very focused on that. Then you get to a certain point where you want to figure out, can you grow while also growing your EBITDA percentage? So the second number that is oftentimes looked at is, can you provide 20% growth or greater at the top line? And so the magic number is 20% EBITDA, 20% top line revenue growth. If you have that, uh, you have a phenomenal business that is uniquely differentiated in the marketplace. So you you did this, right? And, and you had that switch and you start looking at that. You know, how, how was it to switch over? Because obviously you had to start decreasing marketing well, spend, didn't you? I did not. You know, uh, on an aggregate basis, we grew marketing spend on a regular basis. You know, but what you look at is... Going back to all sorts of different elements, uh, you look at your org structure, you look at your gross margin, uh, you look at all the different components to basically continually figure out if I want to improve EBITDA and at the same time, I want to continue to invest in sales and marketing, how do you make that happen? Rise has, I don't know the exact number, but I'm guessing about a 40 person innovation team. Wow. We build a, we build a lot of technology we automate a lot of the functionality that is manually driven in the agency world. And that's one of the things that gave us a huge edge is there's a lot of things that we don't have to staff for because we automated those processes. That is amazing. So you sold, yep. <laughs> you exited and you decided to go help other businesses. Yep. Uh, let's talk about a little bit about Ramsey Innovation and, and what you're doing there now. Absolutely. So the first thing is, you know, I, I sold last year and, you know, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about what I wanted to do next. And there was two things 
that really came to mind. The first is I love connecting with other entrepreneurs. I, I feel like I have a kinship to them. I do not care if it's a two-person company or a multi-billion dollar company. I consider it the hardest road traveled and I like sharing those war stories. I like hearing those war stories. Uh, and so I have this kinship to this one group. The second thing is when I looked at the success of Rise and how we were able to grow this company, I recognized that the playbook is fairly universal. And whether it's service-oriented companies, professional service firms, technology-based companies, uh, that we have a methodology that it could provide a ton of value to other organizations. And so I, I want to help other entrepreneurs grow and achieve their growth dreams, create thousands, tens of thousands of jobs and have a great impact in society. And so what I did is I ended up creating uh, a proprietary framework to grow businesses. I then have started building out technology so that we have a suite of tools that goes along with that uh, framework. And then we have, you know, phenomenal like premium growth advisors, which are the ones that teach and, and consult others on how to implement this approach to growing their business. And so it, it's designed, you know, our tagline is scaling your business is hard. It is always going to be hard, but mm -hmm. we make it easier. We're going to make it easier for companies to grow. And you make it happen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause I think a lot of people talk about scale and it is hard, but also having that those people along the way to help you. Um, you know, when you look back at the years of the agency, what part and where would you, I mean, did you get consultants like this early on? What point, point I, did you have them? I've had advisors in some form or capacity from the very beginning. So I was a member of Vistage for a long time, which is a peer-to-peer -peer network. Uh, I had a mentor named Jack Kraft, who uh, I brought on very early on, who was the former chief operating officer of Leo Burnett, and he helped bring two digital agencies public. Uh, I then put a full advisory board together with expertise in specific areas. You know, I, I did a lot to learn and grow and make sure that I understood what was the right approach to growing this business. Uh, and all that knowledge from all those different places all went into this framework that I created. You know, I've, I've taken the good and the bad uh, to really put the, uh, the best framework approach out there. Got it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and, um, and now you work with all sorts of service-based businesses, all sorts of professional businesses. I mean, you said tech companies, tell me a little bit more about working with you all. How does that work? Yeah. So what we do is we start off by meeting with every business on a quarterly basis. If you think about a business, it runs in 90 day increments. Okay. And what we're going to help you do is prioritize. What are you going to focus on for the next 90 days? It's generally four things that you want to focus on, but then we meet with you every single week for uh, an hour a week. Plus we're there for ad hoc phone calls and ad hoc emails. Uh, we bring a ton of tools and templates to help you actually achieve those quarterly initiatives. So I'll give you an example. If the most important thing that you need to focus on is how to generate more leads over the next 90 days, uh, a lot of the competing programs kind of leave you on your own. That's your job to figure out. We help you figure out what to prioritize your time, but you're gonna have to go figure out how to actually generate leads. Mm -hmm. We teach you how to generate those leads. We teach you how to build a marketing strategy. We teach you how to build a financial infrastructure. We were sounding boards on a regular basis of, you know, I just lost this employee and, and what, what should I do? 
here are terms in my contract. I, I, do you think these are the right terms? We're not lawyers, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but the point is we're a sounding board. We, we are in the trenches with you, but we also provide that framework where it's not just how do you prioritize your time, but it's teaching you how to achieve the goals once that time is a prioritized. Love it. Love it. And I mean, it's so important. And, and you know, yeah. if you're a business and you don't have this type of consultants and you don't have outside people, you've got to get the people. I mean, that's, it's something I waited way too long. I was probably three, four years in before I really start to pay for these consultants. And yeah. it's a, it's a shortcut, but also it, they, you see the blind spots, right? I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, I, I was talking to another, uh, another mentor of mine who's in M&A now, and he actually grew a large agency himself uh, and sold it. And, you know, what he said is the agencies or professional service firms that he sees that tend to grow are the ones that embrace from the very beginning, taking on a mentor that can teach him a roadmap of how to make it happen. Um, Love it. You know, and one of the examples I use oftentimes is if you think about Tom Brady, whether whether you're a Tom Brady fan or not, I, I think you have to agree that he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He has a quarterback coach, yep. you know, like here's a guy that is the best of the best, but still has a coach. Bill yep. Campbell was the coach of Steve jobs, you yep. know? So having a coach is a good thing. It is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Exactly. There's no, I mean, across the board, can't name one professional athlete does some multiple, you know, I, I, even Zig Ziglar, who was, you know, he had speaking coaches. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, had, I remember him saying 12 coaches at one point and you look at Jordan, you know, he, of course he had Phil Jackson, but he had, uh, you know, strength training coaches, mindset yeah. coaches, everything. Um, it's so important. So important yeah. to, to fast growth. Uh, plus it makes it a little less lonely. Exactly. <laughs> um, awesome. So, you know, we talked about at the beginning and I want to talk about now the tactic around how you differentiate yourself in the market, because there's tons of SEO agencies out there. There's tons of personal injury lawyers out there. How do you differentiate yourself? So before we get into how I differentiate ourselves for Ramsey, I'll, I'll talk about how anyone needs to think about differentiation. Mm -hmm. Okay. I do not care what your differentiation is. I don't care if it's, we have the best customer service or we do something faster or, you know, at, at rise, we were data driven. It's the follow-up question that you need to be able to answer. So that's amazing. You have great customer service. I just talked to 50 of your competitors and they say that they have great customer service. So how is your customer service better than the one who also told me that they're great at customer service? And so if you can answer that question in a real and meaningful manner, then you have a real differentiator. If you can't, you don't. So, you know, our differentiator is focused on easier. Okay, scaling a business is hard, we make it easier. So we are investing in technology that automates the tools and the templates that we use. Uh, the framework is more thorough than what we've seen in terms of the competing frameworks where they help you prioritize where to spend your time, but they don't teach you how to do it once that is done. Uh, we provide more time uh, relative to the other frameworks. So we're giving you hourly feedback. We're there for ad hoc phone calls, ad hoc emails. So it's the combination of the tools, the people and the framework is what makes it easier. And so I feel very confident 
that when competitors come in and they talk about how they make it easier, it is not as thorough an answer as our approach. And, you know, and also one of the great ways is as you grow it, stories is a great differentiator and having those stories, you know, and we talk about that all the time. Um, And how did you test, you know, you talked about testing and putting out marketing. How did you test that differentiator and knew it was working? Well, I'll just give an example. You know, our company is basically brand new. You know, I, I launched in stealth mode last May and I went public this year in January. So I only have year over year results for Q1 of this year. Okay. We have 86% year over year revenue growth, 88% year over year profit growth. Wow. We've improved our clients gross margin by 5%. Okay. So at the end of the day, That to me is the most important component of our business, okay? Every CEO has a boss, whether they know it or not, and it is the income statement, okay? Because it's completely objective. Your job as the chief executive officer is to spend your time and money to increase revenue and profits on a year-over-year basis. And I look at it as if we're not doing that for our clients, then none of this matters. And so that's the barometer that we're grading ourselves, it's part of the bonus structure of all of our growth advisors. And so I'm really proud of that first quarter results and hopefully it's going to get better and better. Love it. Love it. And so what's the best, the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, so you can go to RamseyInnovations.com. You can follow me on LinkedIn, John Morris, uh, or you can always email, email me at J-O-N at RamseyInnovations.com. And you're working with uh, obviously digital agencies, but other, let's name off the types of businesses you're helping to. You know, it's generally we are going after B2B companies in general. So we have professional service firms. We have B2B SaaS companies. I could list like a whole wide range of companies in many, many different industries, but that's primarily professional service and B2B technology. Fantastic. So yeah, make sure, I mean, John has the track record, has the systems, and it's it's definitely worth checking out and giving him a call. And what, how does the process work with you once someone engages with you? So once they engage, we assign a growth advisor. The first thing that we generally want to do uh, is a financial health check. We want to make sure that you don't have any cash issues. Uh, we want to understand the financial infrastructure, all of those things. Then we get into your goals. Then we get into your org structure. And then we start getting into your marketing infrastructure. Love it. And the, yeah, and marketing infrastructure is everything. Uh, well, John, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been fantastic. Really great information. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ian, for having me. I've loved being on it. And thank you all for taking John and I on our journey. This has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know it'll make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special 
insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook. Facebook. 